Shannon Miller at Liz on the Twitters. I'm Ben Travers, Ben T. Travers on the Twitters. And happy Monday as you listen to this. Happy Friday as we record this. Uh, and uh, this week, I don't know if the, if probably one of the more interesting, if not weirdly unconfirmed stories of the of this week as we record this, uh, was a little little blurb about how there may be a Breaking Bad movie. I thought it, I thought it was confirmed that they, they were doing it, just unconfirmed about what it like what it was about yeah so to some degree it's, it's like and to any degree that something is maybe happening or not well the original source material was that they they found the what the casting call in albuquerque new mexico or no it was the it was the new mexico film office oh. which posted a, a, a bulletin saying that um a movie by the name of some with a g um was was about to start shooting in the next few months in albuquerque and the um, tagline coincided with what may happen next after Breaking Bad ended. Hmm. And someone managed to confirm with Vince Gilligan that he was working on a movie. Oh, um, Brian Cranston confirms that a Breaking Bad movie is happening. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, it's 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 happening. It's just uh, they're not leaking exactly what the narrative is going to be, or whether or not like the narrative that they provided the film office was accurate. Um, so it may or may not be about what happens to Jesse Pinkman after he escapes. Uh, yes. But that's the... One, one, one source was very... One, one publication was very adamant that that's what it was. Yeah, they're nuts, but um, that was, not, that was uh, not the greatest reporting. But Sorry, uh, the, uh, the title you were looking for was A Greenbrier. Yeah, that's what it is. Um, yeah, so, yeah, I mean, and, and that kind of led us to... Or you know, Ben, I think officially came up with this topic, but the question of, I mean, it's it goes beyond just like, oh man, everything should have an ending, that sort of thing. Um, for Ben, I mean, Ben, you had a really interesting point, which is, did we kind of in, by embracing Better Call Saul, did we kind of bring this upon ourselves? Yeah, I wanted to, um, I wanted to take a step back from the the usual immediate question that comes to mind when something like this happens which is is this a good or good idea or not right and um you know that's the question everybody has whenever a beloved property gets a sequel prequel extension what have you it was the same question as you wisely pointed out liz that we asked when better call saul was announced we were like do we want this is this a good idea do we really want vince gilligan to just stay in this universe for the rest of his career would we rather see him do something different better um Etc. And I, I don't. I, I think Better Call Saul is a great example of why those questions are often misguided. Um, I don't think we know the motivations usually mm-hmm. at those stages when we're asking those questions initially. I don't think we usually know why something like that is being made. We didn't know what the plan was for Better Call Saul. We didn't know why he decided to you know focus on that character and extend that mm-hmm. aspect of the of the Breaking Bad universe. Just as now, we don't really know why he's decided to make a movie. Mm-hmm. Like we don't know if it's you know uh, financially backed because you know there's still so much just intense fandom surrounding Breaking Bad. Um, like Breaking Bad specifically, there is a fandom for for Better Call Saul as well. But when people, I've been in the co- Comic Con panels for both shows, and yeah, it's a different vibe. Yeah, it's weird. Um, so I I I just kind of wanted I didn't want to 
start casting decisions about whether or not this movie was a good idea or not. I right. just wanted to talk a little bit about why why we're drawn to ask these questions. Um, like why for for this particular property, was it something that kept being brought up? Because on one level or another, um, a lot of it revolved around Better Call Saul. A lot, right. of it, a lot of it was, when are you going to jump to post-breaking that timeline? That's and been a question that's been there since the start. It definitely falls into the category of questions I was interested in asking se- in, during season one, and now in season four, I'm very bored of asking, um, mostly because they don't have, you know, they have pretty much the same answer. Um, also, oh, by the way, you said the word casting. And for some reason, the idea of, and starring Anna Paquin as grown-up baby Holly uh, flashed into my head. Now I can't, I, I, it makes me laugh. Yeah. I, just, yeah. The affair they, just, is bad. What? The affair is bad. <laughs> they make bad decisions. Yeah, this is a different casting. This is a different, the, the affair did a crazy casting thing you can look up regarding Anna Paquin. Uh, and, so it's unrelated to this topic, I apologize. But... It makes me laugh. If they want to lean fully into their batshit crazy storytelling, then maybe it'll be a more fun show. But. If the show takes place in year 2046 and Noah Soloway gets sent off into space, best show ever. They just strap no. him to the top of a rocket. <laughs> just a better just a better version of, of a show that already exists. Um, um, sorry, but... but uh, no, like with, yeah. with Better Call Saul, one of the yeah. things that justified that question and keeps justifying the question was that they went... Even though it was a prequel series, mm-hmm. they showed Jimmy right. in the post Breaking Bad timeline. Right. And they did that literally in the first scene of the series. Mm-hmm. And they've kept doing it. So people are curious where that's gonna go. And that's something that the writers very consciously decided to do. They were they chose to show that element and um, you know, invite those kind of questions as to what comes next in that timeline, not just in the past. Uh, because, you know, Obviously, a lot of us know kind of what happens uh, in the big picture for Jimmy. But Yeah, and um, I think that's probably why a lot of people think that the movie would revolve, would revolve around Jesse just because he has, like, a really open storyline at this point. He's one of the, he's one of the few characters who, uh, who's popular enough to carry a movie, that's for sure. And rest in peace, um, The Path. He's probably got some time on his schedule. Yeah, he signed up for another show, though. I mean, he, 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 movies are easier to do, but yeah. this is neither here nor there. Um, the idea, is, or the question that I had was just, was whether or not this was a uh, a question and an endpoint, aka if if us as a culture repeatedly asking Vince Gilligan if he was ever going to make something after Breaking Bad, taking place after the right. events of Breaking Bad again, if that was something that he invited upon himself and is thus grappling with because, you know, his whole world is built around it at this point, his whole creative world. Mm-hmm. Uh, or if it's if it's something that the, the TV culture in general has demanded of all series, no matter how definitive the ending. Because, again, one of the things with Breaking Bad, when it did end, um, it's, it's definitive. It is one of the more definitive endings you could provide for a TV show. Um, so the idea that, you would ask for a sequel to that is lessened because of that, you know, because of that solid endpoint, um, in at least in theory. Or on the other side of it, have we reached a point in our culture with so many revivals, so many spinoffs, so many continuations, so many reboots that no matter how something ends, if it's popular enough, 
over a matter of time, people will ask if it's going to come back, and that's just the state of things. Well, I think there are two people who would have a pretty good answer to that question and would have had that answer answer to that question beginning in the, like the early 2000s, and those people are Gillian Anderson and David Duchovny, um, where they literally, I think, got repeatedly asked for years and years and years about, like, when is there going to be more X-Files? Even though, like, that season nine finale did feel pretty final, and that was also back in the day when we actually did end TV shows to some degree. Right. Yeah, well... I, I would argue the the, fin- the season nine finale was kind of like a, I mean, a little less than a loss scenario where there's just so many questions that have built up over the years that it's not going to be entirely definitive no matter what. Well, that's because it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, that's a, a much more succinct way to say it. Um, so I think that that in and of itself kind of keeps the door open a little easier than some other shows. Yeah. But you're right. It, it, it was absolutely at a time when you know, a show said it was over that you kind of assumed that was it. Like, yeah, Cheers got Becker and, and there were other spinoffs and, and sequels and uh, continuations, but it was nothing compared to the revival culture that, in part, X-Files began. Did you say Becker? As yeah. Was it Cheer- Cheers? Oh, show? Jesus. Yeah, yeah. You mean Frasier. Frasier, yep. But I love the Just idea of Becker of being, like, I, I love the idea of, like, maybe, like, secretly, like, you know, I forget the name of Ted Danson's character. Sam Malone. Sam Malone, thank you. But, like, uh, Sam going back, like, just going to medical school and then just becoming a real grouch. He got so frustrated with the waitresses at his bar that he was like, I'm done with this forever. Yeah. I'm going to be a doctor and I'm going to be alone and grumpy for seven years. Yeah. That was the whole point of Becker was that he's a doctor, but he's a grump. He was a grump. Yeah. That's a good – but did he play by the rules? Um, I mean, he played by his own rules, Liz. Okay, but did he? Did but not the rules of the system. I don't really remember. I think he did mainly, but okay. I think he was kind of the stick in the mud, where like somebody might want a prescription, and he was like, "Well, we have to do a thorough examination." Blah blah blah. And I don't know. I didn't watch a lot of Becker. <laughs> watched more Becker than I think a lot of people did. I don't know. It was pretty. It lasted a long time. Yeah, it did. Yeah. See, CBS will give you a sitcom for quite some time if you want. Mm, not everybody. Yeah. Who, who are you thinking of? Kevin James. Yeah, that's right. Kevin couldn't wait. Mm. It's very sad. Plenty of others. Um, but yeah, the. <laughs> it, by the way, in answer to your earlier question, uh, uh, Aaron Paul is working on an Amazon show. Not an Amazon. I'm sorry, an Apple show, and on one of the, one of the mysterious Apple dramas uh, called "Are You Sleeping?" And the cast is actually that's really. Right really good it's called octavia spencer lizzie kaplan mckay pfeiffer tracy toms robin ron cephalus jones and he's also gonna be on this what emmy winner ron cephalus jones he's also gonna be on this other show called westworld yep that's the thing i think we were both blinking on oh no i was thinking the apple one oh really i I thought he had his own yeah i think yeah good for him but at the same time, also, you know, everyone's schedules are up in the air these days, so he could still manage to make it in. But, I mean, I think in terms of the revival culture thing and how it connects to this topic, um, I mean, I think the thing with Better Call Saul, it, it, you know, not to to take it back to Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, I think, you know, initially there was reluctance about, like, what's the point of this? Especially because, you know, if you think, if you were to make a list of, if, if like right after Breaking Bad ended, if you were to make a list of the show's most iconic characters, you wouldn't think, oh yeah, Jimmy McGill should be at the top of that list. In fact, he wasn't even, he didn't actually even have the, 
I think he said, like, he actually didn't have the first name of Jimmy until the show started, uh, That in, until Better Call Saul started. That was actually something I'd forgotten until a recent interview. Uh, they just He just says, my last name's McGill, and he changed his name. Um, <clears throat> anyways, I'm rambling a bit. But yeah, he, but at the same time, like, I... One of the things that they've always said is they knew from his first appearance that there was something there that they could work with, that there was something that that could make that could build upon the show. And I think what has been really interesting about Better Call Saul as a companion piece to Breaking Bad is Breaking Bad was always very, very, you know, was pretty, I would say, I don't want to say black and white, but I feel like it had a pretty interesting relationship with ethics and what's the right thing to do and like it, it kind of evolved it as it went like the I think I feel like you could argue like in the first couple of episodes that and this is probably part of why Walter White is such a interesting figure when talking about the male anti-hero that you know Walter White was doing the right thing like maybe not legally but he was trying to take care of his family and he was trying to do all that and then over the course of the series you see that shift and alter and you get to that finale and he's like you know I liked it like and all that and Better Call Saul meanwhile is about a character technically on a similar trajectory but it's so much more nuanced when it comes to the evolution of those characters and just how they're changing and how the world has changed them and what is right versus what is wrong and I feel like I've always I, I I said this at the beginning of season four uh, in my review, and I continue to feel that it's you know it, I think it just ke- the show keeps evolving beyond what Breaking Bad did in such an exciting way, um, unless of course you really just want to see a lot of things blow up. That was a lot of me talking just then. Yeah, I, I mean I don't I don't necessarily I don't know if I agree with the idea that it's more nuanced in the in its dissection of ec- ethics. Um, but it definitely, it takes a different formal approach to telling its story. And again, this is not something we knew. This was not something that anybody knew other than, you know, the creators when it was announced that they were going to do it. Um, so the idea of whether or not they justified it is different from the question of whether or not of like what caused it to happen, like what caused us to end up where we are now. Um, I, I think that I think with Breaking Bad specifically, like the continuation of, of building this universe is something that I can understand from somebody who's been in it and has found such success and has found such great characters that a lot of people have adhered to over the course of many years. I think it's easy to see why you'd want to continue telling stories within that world. Um, and at the same time, I feel like the demands of... of our industry at the moment uh, with, I mean, everything we just talked about with revivals uh, and sequels and kind of dependable um, known properties, uh, brands surviving over anything else. I think those pressures are going to create a lot more things that aren't driven by the right reasons. And I think great creators might be able to find good ways to tell those stories, even if they weren't, you know, uh, naturally manufactured by themselves but it's gonna be interesting to see kind of how this stuff plays out and i think the the biggest question for me in terms of the movie is just 
once the movie's done, assuming it's good, not even great, not even like as good as Breaking Bad or as good as Better Call Saul, but assuming it's just good, the idea that they're only making two hours of it to me makes it seem a lot easier that they'd just do more, that they'd just continue that. Um, and once it's it's once the door got opened a little bit by Better Call Saul and then Better Call Saul opening it a little further by flashing into the, the future mm-hmm. and then a movie opening it a little bit more by, you know, very clearly, you know, taking a next step after that. Um, I think that's kind of a never-ending path at this point. I think the only thing that kind of kills that momentum is when you make something bad. Like when, yeah. when Rest Development didn't quite connect and uh, it it kind of, it had a lot of off-screen problems as well. That seemed to be a moment where everyone was like, okay, I think we can stop freaking out for now. We kind of got two yeah. revivals out of it. We'll let it go for a little bit. Um, and I think that that's kind of what happened with the X-Files. Um, I think that's pretty much so far the only thing that can stop something is failure and that's a really sad thing to think about in the terms of if something is always going to be open-ended and you can always keep making more of it or there's always demand to Mm -hmm. make more of it the only way to stop it is by failing that's not good for anything it's not good for anybody yeah no you know i was trying to think of like what else that you were what you're saying reminded me of and uh i think weirdly the answer is star wars um, cause like, you know, there were, there were so many prequels planned or not prequels, but like various, like, n- you know, there's going to be a Boba Fett movie. There was going to be uh, a young Yoda movie. I don't know. They were talking about a lot of things. Young Obi-Wan, that was it. Um, and yeah, but, uh, you know, Solo colon a Star Wars story did not do great. And as a result, uh, a lot of those plans, all the plans apparently are shifting now to crazy Disney, uh, you know, the crazy Disney streaming service because they've just announced a new series terrified of that many more streaming services. I was watching, I can't remember what, I'm pretty sure it was, I think it was an Amazon show mm-hmm. where they referred to other streaming services and they said Netflix and they said Hulu Plus, even though this had oh, been... Oh, Hulu Plus! Remember yeah. that Hulu used to be called Hulu Plus? But this show was set in a time, I can't remember what show it was. It must have been like, well, it doesn't matter. It was set in a time... And released in a time well beyond Hulu Plus, so like they shouldn't have used that. It seemed like a slight. It seemed like a, a jab. Yeah, um, interesting. By the way, the apparently I was like Hulu Disney Plus wasn't the title I remember them using. I remember hearing rumored it was Disney Play, which I actually think is a little cuter. You make you're making your I'm grumpy face. Yeah, it sounds like kid stuff. Yeah, well, it's largely kid stuff. It is not. You're you're not going to argue that the Marvel brand isn't. They're going to focus on that Geo too. I don't think they want. I don't think they want Marvel and Star Wars associated with like two year olds. Disney Play sounds like a play date. Sounds like something you'd watch with toddlers. I thought it sounded cute. Well, I mean, toddlers are typically cute. That's fair. Um, typically. Yeah. <laughs> not always. <laughs> That's true. There's some ugly toddlers out there. Not yours, of course, gentle listener. Your toddler's great. Debatable. I haven't seen it. <laughs> Always the critic. But no, I just, I, I think it's an interesting question to kind of ask yourself as a consumer because, you know, ultimately we make these decisions by, you know, what we're clicking on, what we're asking about, what we're paying to see. Um, the question of 
motivation and um, sustainability. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it might be too much for a broad scope thing to kind of take in at this point, but um, I think it's interesting to try to pin down the motivations for why you want something. Yeah. Um, well, if it, so one thing I find interesting about this, though, so your, your, your feeling is the only way to keep a franchise from continuing to spiral out of control with spinoffs and whatnot, presuming there's consumer demand, is for there to be a bad version of it. I mean that's the only um, that's the only thing that comes to mind at this point in terms of what's killed things before. Right. So I know we don't want to see bad things, mm-hmm. but doesn't do you not take a certain level of comfort that the quality of a product can actually affect its future? Like, like the fact that the fact that, for example, we know that whatever whatever was working really well about Arrested Development in its early years isn't happening right now. Um, whatever the reason might be. And so we won't, but so Mitch Hurwitz isn't going to continue to get buckets of money to keep making the show for years to come. Well, no, I don't, because A, I liked the last season of Rust Development, uh, viewing it purely from, uh, you know, uh, not not a socially conscious viewer, just a, just a, did this succeed as a narrative? And it was, it was better. It was, it was good. Um, but more so because, the point of something failing like that is is that it never should have existed. It was something that was brought about for the wrong reasons. It was something that was demanded of somebody who was never expecting to do it. Now, if it's a if it's something where, you know, we've got this mysterious Amazon series from the Russo brothers mm-hmm. that's supposed to be like a mothership, which is a hub for like 17 shows and 14 films and whatever the fuck. But I, 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 I swear to God, if it turns out it's just a secret sensate reboot, I'm just going to high five everyone in this office. It would be great if the Russo brothers were just such big sensate fans that they somehow purchased the rights away from Netflix to make it at Amazon. But yeah. the, the point being, if, if they... If they make something and like the first one's good and the second one's bad and the third one's good and the fourth one's bad and the fifth one's bad and it ends and they wanted to make seven, like that that's not the same scenario. But when you're looking at something like Breaking Bad, it wasn't designed with the idea of making an infinite number of these. Like it was designed right. with the, the idea of, of telling this story and right. then they had an idea for another story that they thought would be good and it has been. And again, hopefully they they have had another idea that they think is good, and that's why they're making a movie. Um, but usually, if if it's if it's a failure like that, it's it's because it was it was like look at the Hangover movies. Like the first Hangover movie was pretty funny. Like it wasn't. It's a quality movie. It's 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 enjoyable at the very least uh, for for a lot of people. But uh, the only interesting thing about the sequels was just how dark Todd Phillips' vision of the world had become. Like it was it was unsettling to watch like how far down they'd spiral with this group of non-friends but it wasn't they weren't good films and those are very much demanded by the money i think the stars have even come out and said we only did it for the money and there's so many things where they've said we've only done it for the money and then they go back to try to you know make it better or something but um but no i don't i don't take a lot of comfort in something being bad ending the thing because I mean, you never want to go out on a on a low note. You the expression yeah. is always you want to go out on a high note, and this kind of uh, motivation for making art never allows that to happen. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I feel like you know, if there's 
I feel like if there's anyone on this planet I trust to do to do the right thing with this project, it's Vince Gilligan. Like, I feel like, I think he takes the legacy of his franchise very seriously, I think. Or the, he takes the legacy of Breaking Bad very seriously. I feel like he doesn't have to do it if he doesn't want to. And thus, I feel I feel fa- fairly confident that this will all work out. But yeah, again, this is not a, not a prediction or a, a condemnation of any idea. Or what's going to happen with that idea? It's more about um, just the in general whether or not this was something that is a product of our culture or a product of a series of decisions that kind of opens the door for more of the same. Yeah, we'll see. In the meantime, Ben, what was the best thing you watched last week? Uh, Room one hundred and four. Okay. It's um the Duplass brothers. Uh, anthological episodic hbo series uh where the only thing that doesn't change is the motel room it is set in and uh the decor of that motel room does change from time to time but um it all takes place within there and there's uh you know a new script new actors uh new story every week and um I, i we talked a little bit about this when the first season came out but it really was reinforced when season two hit because you know it wasn't new they're new episodes they're new stories but like we understood what the format was going to be we understood kind of the framing of each of them we understood kind of the um the producer's vision for how these are going to play out um you know kind of keeping the whole thematic thing together um and it's still it was still really exciting to sit down and wait to see what was going to pop up for each episode like it was it was exciting as somebody watching television to be witnessing a story and you didn't know where it was going to go because you didn't know what genre it was. You didn't know what the um, the structure of the screenplay was going to be. You didn't know how long it had to be. You didn't, like there was a lot of unknowns that invited, you know, your imagination to kind of run wild. And then usually uh, whoever made the episode fulfilled that imagination. Like they, they their creativity um matched you know what you were kind of coming up with or um stayed ahead of you and it was great it was it's just as an experience as a tv experience it was it's unique and um i hope more people give it a shot it's it's easy to you know try out obviously um but it's also one where i think continued viewership helps the experience as opposed to just like well see one and if i like the one i'll keep watching it if i don't like it i won't like that that's not going to work. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think you'll like most of them. But. It's a really interesting cast and some yeah. cool people. Um, and somebody plays a robot, doesn't don't they? Um, yeah. Or there's an episode that involves a robot. Uh, I have the notes somewhere. Is it Katie Asleton? Mm, it is Katie Asleton, yeah. So Katie Asleton plays a robot. Highly recommended. Um. But yeah, I mean, I actually had that down as a secondary thing I wanted to check out, so. Yeah, it's good. It's yeah. good. Cool. I like it a lot. Liz, what was the best thing you watched last week? I'm going to confess. And so officially the thing I want to talk, I wanted to talk about initially, I can't talk about. Uh, we are still, tech, I, as this as this posts, it will still technically be under embargo. Uh, so I'm just going to say that uh, this week I stress watched a lot of classic West Wing. Mm-hmm. Um and I've officially, I watched so much West Wing, in fact, that I got, well, I skipped around a lot in three. I find 
three to be pro- season three to be problematic. You were stretch watching. How you were stress watching Doctor Who? Yeah, I switch. Oh, okay. I, I switched from Doctor Who to, to West Wing, but Doctor Who, by the way, this season has been pretty good. Uh, I've been I mean, I've been enjoying it. Not every episode has landed perfectly, but um, I'm still enjoying Jodie Whittaker. Not to get off the topic, I was also stress watching Doctor Who season one, going all the way back to Eccleston because that that is my ultimate comfort. But yeah, anyways, West Wing star of the leftovers. Yeah. I figured I'd, I'd mention that. You still need to watch that episode I recommended to you. I know. I feel like you'll like it. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yes, point is, I also stress watched a lot of West Wing, and I'm at that point in season four where clearly Aaron Sorkin is about to go off the rails and not be able to really make a TV show anymore. And I'm a little sad about that because it's such a weird decline in quality over the end of that season. And I like it. You like the end of season four? I do. I mean, like, there's good stuff that happens, but, you know, you can sense just how, like, badly things were being run. Mm-hmm. Um, John Gallagher Jr. shows up. Uh, I know. And <laughs> you're just like, yeah, I know. I don't. I know where my newsroom people are. <laughs> At all times? Uh, most of the time. Where, where, where's, uh, uh, where's Lillian Munn right now? Oh, she's, she's getting ready to do some uh, Predator digital release publicity oh boy that'll be fun for everyone involved mm-hmm. um anyways uh still the west wing uh, got me through election day pretty well um after the after doctor who uh after Do- i ran actually after i ran out of doctor who um so uh, season one there's plenty of doctor who beyond season one uh i'm rambling a little bit ben what's the next thing you're looking forward to i don't like your rambling mm-hmm. um more than usual well i don't i don't know about that uh i was I, i'm looking forward to escape from danamora or escape at at Danamora. Um, and considering it stars Paul Dano, who's having a hell of a year with wildlife, um, Benicio del Toro, who, I mean, he's had a good year. Sicario, what is it? Sicario, Dia the Soldado or yeah. whatever, did better than people thought. Yeah. And then, you know, Patricia Arquette, Patty Arquette, back making great stuff instead of CSI Cyber. Yeah. Um, that that cast alone should be enough to kind of get people excited for a, a limited series, um, especially a Showtime limited series. Um, but I, I gotta say, I'm I'm most excited that Ben Stiller's directing this. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's any surprise that he's turning toward drama, given you know both his creative and and personal uh, shifts over the last you know decade or so. But I've always thought he was a, a very skilled director. Um, I'm somewhat of a Zoolander two apologist. I don't think it's. <laughs> I don't think it's terrible. I don't think it's great. I just think it's fine. Um, which, you know, after somebody who made Zoolander and Tropic Thunder and the underrated Secret Life of Walter Mitty, mm-hmm. um, I'm very interested to see what he sparked to in this story and what kind of performances he gets out of these actors. It's already, I mean, literally, uh, kind of continuing the trend, it's already a darker show. Like, it, it, it literally looks darker than a lot of programs out there. But... Um, I think, I think it's a fascinating combination of, of story and storytellers. And that is usually something that's a good hook for me. So I think that comes out next Sunday as you're listening to this coming Sunday as you're listening to this, um, on Showtime and it's six or seven episodes, seven. Uh, I think seven. Seven sounds right. Yeah, Could be so, eight. Uh, you can read more about that later, but that's not my line. Liz, before we get to it, what's the next thing you're looking forward to? Well, I wanted to say, I, w- I wanted to mention in, on the Ben Stiller tip, I wanted to say two things about Escape 
Escape at Danamora. One is, Ben, I feel like you're really going to love this show because I watched the first episode back last summer uh, for, for TCA prep, and I have never felt so cold watching a show. Like, so, yeah. every, everyone's wearing big duffel coats. It's just so gray and bleak. And Wasn't it in Illinois? Uh, no, it's Pennsylvania, I think. Is it Pennsylvania? I think so. I could well, be wrong. Well, but I'm just saying, Ben, you're going to feel so... T- you're gonna you're you're gonna curl up in a blanket with some hot cocoa and watch this show, and you're gonna feel so happy about it. Hmm. Was it Pennsylvania? I can't find it. Okay, we'll figure it out eventually. Um. Oh, nope, it's New York. Oh, okay, upstate New York. Yeah. Yep. That's a that's a cold place. Yeah. Um. So you'll feel very nice. Not quite and- Illinois cold, but cold. Yeah. I mean, uh, hopefully it's cold enough to your standards. I am looking forward to it more now. Yes. Yes. The other thing, uh, my favorite thing that uh, Ben Stiller has ever directed uh, was this web series called Stiller and Mira. Of course it wasn't. Are you saying that because (laughs) of me or because? Yes. um, No, because it's, have you ever seen it? It's, I don't don't know if it's still on the internet anymore, which hopefully is because it's basically just Ben Stiller interviewing his parents, Jerry Stiller and and, and, him. I did see some of this. Yes, and it's so charming. It's so charming. It's so sweet. And his parents loved each other so much. And <laughs> it's so great. The best thing you ever directed. <laughs> Not I the mean, best thing. My favorite thing. Favorite thing. thing. Yes. Yeah. That's fair. I actually feel like The Cable Guy is a really... That's is, true. ...is a pretty strongly directed movie. And that could be a good connection for Escape, too. But. Yeah. Indeed. Uh, but, yeah. The thing I'm looking forward to... I'm just. I'm just... There's so much, actually, that I feel like I should be watching that I'm not. There's not that much. Um, no, I mean, like, what was the thing? Uh, oh, yeah, like, I'm I'm, ba- I'm just going to say I have to start watching Narcos at some point. Narcos. Nar- Nar- not Narcos anymore. Narcos, colon, Mexico. Correct. Thank you. Uh, I need to watch Narcos, colon, Mexico. With with, with 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 sweet, sweet, lovely uh, Diego Luna. Future... Star Wars star. Yeah. Past, present, and future Star Wars star. Future. Mm, I couldn't think of anything for Michael Pena. Future Oliver Stone star Michael Pena. Future Ant-Man and the Wasp 2 uh, star. Oh, God, yeah. He's funny in that movie. Sure. He's funny in both movies. Great. Yeah. Have you not seen them? I think he's funny, but no, I didn't watch them. You didn't see Ant-Man? No. You're so dismissive of it. I don't want to watch Marvel movies anymore. They're all disappointing. The Ant-Man has some fun stuff in it. I'm sure it does. Okay. It has Michael <laughs> Douglas. Yeah. And Michelle Pfeiffer in the second one. Right. You gotta go for that. I don't have to, but I approve. <laughs> uh, for all that and more, you can... Re- for for um, more of Ben's deep thoughts on Marvel movies and more, you can go to IndieWire.com for news, reviews, interviews, features, all the stuff you like. Uh, and to hear far greater experts than I, uh, make sure to listen to other IndieWire podcasts, including Turn It On podcast with Michael Schneider, which very soon will have a very special episode with special guest Max Greenfield you talking t- you about... You teased that last week. Yeah, I know. I don't know when it's coming out. <laughs> And uh, special guest Max Greenfield is going to talk about special show The Leftovers. So that's uh, really, really exciting. You owe two doves because you didn't put a dove in last week either. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, <laughs> and make sure to listen to the one that started all, Screen Talk with Eric Conan and Thompson. And, of course, don't miss the one, the only, the intrepid, the unstoppable, uh, the unflappable, and the wholly imaginative Crystal Fault, uh, Filmmaker Toolkit podcast. Yeah.
You can find Ben on Twitter at Ben T. Travers. You can find Liz on Twitter, which is even better, at Lizlet. That's with an I and then an E. Correct. Uh, we will be back next week. Thank you guys so much for listening. And you know what? As always, I think you should keep watching television. Thank you.